Hello and welcome to Phenomena Gaming's monthly, monthly or more often podcast. We're still trying to figure out here when is going to be good timing for regular podcast content. Um, creativity has been a little directed at a few specific projects, and unfortunately, this project has had to kind of get pushed to the back burner a little bit in previous months. But today, I am excited to talk to you about Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne HD Remaster. And we're going to look a bit at the narrative and the world building of the game without trying to spoil too much. We're going to keep this kind of spoiler light as much as possible. Um, um, things to note for the future of this podcast is that we have a patreon and at patreon.com slash phenomena gaming where you'll have weekly content written down for those that like the written format better than a podcast format and this podcast will be on all your favorite podcast services thanks to the anchor app and the anchor app being able to help us distribute to apple Podcasts, google play spotify and or whatever your favorite podcast player is and so now that we've got the intro out of the way let's talk a bit about shin megami tensei 3 nocturne hd remaster this game is an interesting game of exploration world building and narrative demon training and monster raising and overall i just really like this game it's a game that when it came out i immediately as quickly as i could in the midst of my schedule spent about 60 hours playing through the entire game i don't like i played anything else for about two weeks and what's unique about the game is the difficulty curves and how they build the mechanics of the game to be important particularly the buff and debuff system which most games that are rpgs eventually after a while you don't necessarily need the buff and debuff as you build in certain base skills in this game you need the buff and the debuff if you do not use the buff and the debuff even in some of the basic fights you will get run over by the demons that are all around in the area the other interesting part of this game is that there are very few areas even in towns where you are actually safe from being attacked i think the encounter rate is only turned off in about two or three areas throughout the entire game um and even after certain events happen in the midst of the game one of those areas becomes an area where encounters happen so you have an interesting mix of immersive immersive deep conflict in a world with a heavy story about characters that want to build the world each in their own way and we'll kind of highlight that over the course of the episode and then you have the outside forces so you do get encounters with lucifer and the clue or the checking on the Megami Tensei wiki because I wanted to make sure I name this correctly. The the Great Will, yes, the you you have a fight with the Great Will, and there's a lot to unpack. 
Let's start with the beginning. So your prologue is that you're a high school kid and you're told by your teacher to go to a closed hospital building, which should raise some level of some suspicion. Normally, when you're told to go to a rundown old building, bad things will happen. And that becomes true in this game as well, is that when you go into this closed building, you watch as the world ends and you become and the world becomes flattened into a spiral world waiting to be rebuilt. The humans all die, and except for a few, anyone that was in the building with you. And then you have demons that are around every town, every rest point, every heel fountain with the the like you have demons waiting around you in all of those areas to attack. It's a game where you actually see all of the monsters and demons that are on screen fighting or that are on screen that you can encounter, which was very impressive for a game that was originally made in 2003. Um, How you get more demons to fight for you is that you have them, you negotiate in the midst of the battle sequence, and then you get them to contract a fight for you. Then you raise levels, you do kind of standard RPG mechanics. What and as you're going about trying to collect more more demons to summon and protect yourself with from a world that has become very ruthless, you start to see the power players emerge for how, people who want to rebuild the world. And then it all, you also come to the realization that as the demi-fiend, so in the midst of this cataclysm, you become half demon, half human. You have the greatest power stake in this world so you are able to take on any number of demons that you can contract and whoever side you take will enable that person to build the world that they want to build so this game comes as one with multiple endings and What I want to hit home is that when we're looking at moments in history where the world can be rebuilt in either a positive or a negative way, it's often up to very few people. It's often up to very few people how the world will be rebuilt. We've not really had too many movements in history where a large group of people has collectively changed the direction of their country, at least not without some powerful broker in the background looking to insert some emphasis of power or, if we're lucky, some magnanimous person that really wants to build or enable the opportunity to build a more equal society. And so as you go around, you go around you journey you meet other you meet other demons you meet other like powerful demons you fight some boss monster you fight some boss monsters some of the boss fights in this game are some of the most epic things I have ever seen um, minimal spoilers but the final boss fight I was max level and max 
stats on multiple characters and I still almost died at that final boss fight several times because the final boss is just brutal in the in this game and I think the difficulty curve when we're looking about the journey to build a new world is completely appropriate it's not an easy process to suddenly get thrust with the responsibility for an entire world and it's rebuilding and it is a journey where you will never feel fully powerful even when you reach what looks like your end destination and so i think what's important when we're looking at the narrative of shimagami tensei 3 nocturne is that it's very similar to how our own world operates is that in those moments when we have the ability to use power we won't get many of them and we have to utilize our own sense of power based on our own values while not ignoring how we might have blind spots in our own values especially if we become more obsessed with one particular ending and we miss the entire picture of what is going on. And so you continue to journey around. You have a world where you have to overcome weird bridges, different dimensional portals, and then several different factions of people that are fighting. And these factions are me or or takeaways from other shimagami tensei games they kind of keep the same names of factions i think it's like the ring of gaia is one and then you have one other one that right now i'm not remembering off the top of my head but as these factions fight and vie for power as other races like the mannequins which are like weird also weird combinations of demons and humans that somehow survive the cataclysm you end up trying to figure out how to actually build a world where or really the question actually becomes whose world do you want it to be first and if you don't like any of those images what do you actually want the world to be and so let's kind of go through now that we're you got we've got a summary of the narrative we know that there's going to be different motivations for people that for the people the few people involved that get to rebuild the world let's kind of go over those quickly so the first person you encounter wants a world of stillness um the idea being that instead of having a self instead of having individuation is that all things are still and are one and so in that thought process this character wants to create a world of stillness the second person that you run into wants to create a world of solitude and this world of solitude is one where the opposite of the first reason of stillness where instead of all creation being one entity it's that 
every being is in is deeply individuated and the purpose of that is to be separate without the undue influence of anyone if anyone has read jean paul sartre and his existentialist work it would be the most extreme example of what jean paul sartre would write about and his fears of the influences of other people the third potential ambition is a world built on strength and power where the weak are just discarded and thrown away and you have an option to take any one of those three worlds when you reach the end game and you start to have dialogue with the characters about the type of world that they want to create and yet if you find yourself unsatisfied with how limiting the new created world be with each of those endings you're not you're not alone in that when i had played through the game and went through the dialogue sequences thinking about what world i wanted to create all three of those seemed rather empty for various reasons and the world of stillness i think what it does and what none of these worlds do is hold tensions together as we see with nature with the symbiotic relationships of various types of matter what we see with the wonders of quantum mechanics is really a life that is lived in tension is probably the best explanation for what happens in nature because multiple things that seem contradictory can be true at the same time and often are and so in thinking about these three endings i want to kind of take a moment or two to think about where those reasons or ambitions are lacking in terms of accounting for more aspects of human experience because the end of this game when it comes down to it it's really about which reason do you believe explains the most of how creation is built or should be built and then aligning yourself with that it's like every philosophy that we built in the world in the world and we've had to adapt as we've learned new things about the world is that a philosophy is supposed to explain more about our reality than previous philosophies that have come before that's how you make it more persuasive that's how you get new followings but these three all fall short the problem with the world of stillness is that one we have very few moments in life even if we are deeply spiritual where we experience this union of all creation even if we're aware of quantum mechanics and the idea of entanglement namely the idea that any of our atomic particles that would rub off in a in any chance encounter that we might have can react and affect the other the other subatomic particle that's connected in a field 
so yes we have knowledge that this experience is true but in our hearts it's not what we actually experience on a regular basis even if it is such a desirable state of being to be in i also think it's vital when we're looking at the world of stillness and oneness that we don't lose the individuation either because when we're looking at a world of stillness and in this case it would be a world of forced stillness it would be basically two people or two beings deciding the rest of this world is going to be recreated in the image of a universal oneness and as i kind of look on as somebody trying to consider well what about the billions of people that might not want a world where all is one forcibly if we were to come to a unique collective human consciousness together as one creation and through our own individual reflection and discernment to come to this state of union which is not unif state of union that would be wonderful that would be something i would happily welcome but unity also doesn't necessarily mean uniformity and i think in some capacity that's what all three of these reasons and ambitions are missing in Shimagami Tensei 3 is that it is very one-dimensional and as you look at those reasons there's a lot of again there's a lot of reason to reject them so stillness I think again if we were to come to a goal where we all discerned that reality and worked to be more in that unified connection and see all of creation as one field outstanding and it's something i hope to teach and provide more reason for as we continue this relationship where where we talk and learn and think about leadership and think about just how the world can be a better place and how we can help make that happen as people that are empowered and deeply connected to the lessons we learn and the favorite games that we play so the second reason ambition to think about in terms of shimagami tensei 3 is a reason of solitude and this is the case of extreme individuality the idea that we want a world where every person has their own island i think about that's i think about this somewhat in line with what mormonism wants to promote at the end of life is everyone gets their own planet and it's not necessarily clear that if somebody has their own planet whether anybody equal to the person running the planet exists and so solitude is kind of in that boat is that everyone gets their own little sector of the world to be in charge of 
but also separated from everybody else. And this profound separation is important because we have a lot of separation in our world currently. Even the ways that we communicate with each other are often meant to create distance. And while I think that there's a lot to be said about what we've learned about self-care and developing one's own personality, it's also very, very easy to create this reality where we just lose ourselves. And we lose ourselves in a way that is deeply, deeply unsettling. Because we can talk and say any number of words to any number of people, but those moments where we have that true sense of community where it's above language and language might be part of the expression of connection, but it isn't what it really is. With with an emphasis based on solitude, yes, everyone, in theory, we could create a world where everyone is happy in the midst of their own solitude. And don't get me wrong, as an introvert, I love my solitude. I love my quiet workspace when I have just my my house, my cats, and my workspace all to myself. And I also like just sometimes having my headphones in with no noise on, with no noise on, just to have that sense of stillness because I don't have any noise deprivation chambers or any of that fancy technology. So there is always a canceling out that creates a nice relaxing effect for me personally. So none of what this reflection is to say that I think solitude is bad. I think we need actually more solitude instead of the many ways we attempt to build community but find ourselves more alone in the midst of engaging with forced socialization shall I say the world of solitude makes me sad because I've seen the world of solitude as I've gone through my own journey of finding out who I want to be and the type of person I want to be in the world. But even in the midst of a lonely journey, there are always things that you miss about being a fully engaged and aware person or any other sentient being because if this sound broadcast somehow gets out into the outer reaches of space, I would want it to be inclusive of beings that have sentience and intelligence. The reason of strength and power. This one was probably the most offensive to me because it ends up creating a world where 
whoever is strong survives and whoever is weak gets discarded and used for extra resources for the people that remain. And this is a potentially appealing philosophy if we're looking at this world of limited resources and limited capacity to care for those that exist. I see how there can be some appeal in that and in a world that's post-apocalyptic. Yeah, there's not much left in terms of resources. But here's what I worry about in that reflection and in that ambition. Strength is often only defined in one category. Unless you have someone that's an outsider that just completely creates a layer of resistance and a barrier to prevent themselves from being trampled over, but not in a way that is conducive to whole-making. The concern about creating a reason or ambition on strength and power it's amplified with the main problem of that if you only see the world in one way and make that the only way you see the world to the exclusion of all others, it inevitably will cause harm. Our idolatries and propaganda as a society that we have to th really deeply reflect on when we're looking at what happens when you build the world with only one ambition in mind and hold that with all your heart strength is probably the most dangerous one because it's the one that seeks to discard all that don't fall into line or fall into accord and especially it often privileges a physical like a physical bravado kind of strength or a forceful kind of strength that's violent and not the inner types of strength that some of the uh, that the other two reasons would really exemplify if we were to only take them on their own for me the lesson that I would hope as we reflect on our world that we would take from these kind of first three ambitions in terms of Shimagami Tensei Three Nocturne is a hope that building the world with only one set of concerns in mind doesn't actually work to build a world which is encompassing of all of the gifts that are brought forth but it's also a deep lack of attentiveness and concern for many aspects of life that really gets us to what would be a true unity that is not just a uniformity where we have lots of secret descent going on, but
but everyone's afraid to stand up to the one person truly in power. So if none of those options appealed to you, as they did not to me, there are three other, it's like you can choose to reject the reason and fight all of them to instill three other options. If you look at the save menu, you see six little buttons on the save bar, and so that there are six different endings, and three of them involve rejecting reason, which we will talk to after this interlude. And we are back, so now we're looking at what happens in Shimagami Tensei 3 Nocturne. When you reject the reasons that are presented before you and you seek a different path. The fourth ending you can pursue is to return the world to its original state before what is called the conception of that game or the remaking of the world. And this would just return the world to a default state as much as any living is a default state because we don't ever really have a default state with what we inherit through culture or through experience through culture experience and genetics but it is a chance in recreating the world to, to its original state to try something different in the midst of that world and to do it in a way that's fair now that being said that's not to say that there isn't a lot wrong with the world as it currently is there's a lot of grace but there's also a lot of deep problems and so I think it's vital that when we're looking at this fourth ending is that we're not just seeing it as we go back to the status quo and then we basically just set up extremist viewpoints to let the same thing happen a few years later. Like that's not really a good way to operate when we're looking at if we have the ability to hit the reset, the reset button and start over. I think the next step is going to be an interesting one when we're looking at the fifth ending, which is to do nothing. So you can reject all of the reasons and also leave the world to be infested with demons, to not include any human creation and to leave it as the vortex world. I miss... I mispronounced that or misspoke about what that what the world is after the after the conception but it is the vortex world and you can leave it to leave it to the demons to some will be contractually obligated to the few living beings that are left but it would be a world of chaos and if you take the moments you have in life to not create 
it ends up becoming cold and lonely. Now, this is not to say that there aren't a large number of people that end up in situations where they just cannot create due to systemic injustice mostly. And a lot of it is systemic injustice not enabling people to be appreciated for the creation that they share because it looks different or challenging in some way other than what is powerful. So I would say doing nothing when we have the chance to create if we have the ability to make large-scale change for the better is our utmost responsibility. And then we have what is called the true demon ending, which is an ending that was added in DLC after the original run of the game. And this ending has you doing what you do in a standard JRPG game is figuring out what is this what is the source of evil by going to who everyone thinks is the source of evil and then kind of finding oh you're actually not that bad this other group is actually a major problem up here and you end up ending a cycle of death and rebirth because of the need for galactic beings to have the world be built and rebuilt to make it more in their image. So some things to consider with this ending is that one, Japanese view of Christianity is one which is very reflective but also makes Christianity look really bad especially in the terms of where the angel of the ultimate god figure is usually the being that's starting off cycles of death and rebirth because the god is jealous and unhappy about what has happened I think when we're looking at that death and rebirth, especially when you have an image of God that wants to strip away free will in a number of different mediums, the first sense that humans are not going to ultimately do what God wants. It's important to understand that there is a very different cultural reality when we're looking at this ultimate ending, and particularly when we're looking at the end game of most JRPGs, is that it is coming from a dip, very different cultural construct, and one which views Christianity with suspicion because of how much damage it attempted to do to their land and to their culture and way of life. 
Japan has been able to share the unique culture it has with the world in a lot of ways because it resisted Christianity and because it resisted the cultural assimilation and didn't let itself be colonized. Not that people that get colonized have any real choice in that matter. It's a little harsh, and I apologize for that. But whatever Japan did in terms of resisting the trend of Christianity toward this one reason, it really made for a very unique set of values and a unique set of rituals that are preserved. And when we're thinking about ending death, the cycles of death and rebirth by looking at the existential question of what happens if our image of the one God dies, whatever that one God is, it opens us up to a new life and it opens us up in a way that encourages continued reflection and engagement. Many of these reasons and ambitions create a state of nothingness where the world is just complete and it waits until something screws up and then there is the next correction. When there is an obsessive tendency about any one particular thing, there is always a correction that will happen. And as people, when we're reflecting on our own culture, we have to be aware of when those reckonings happen and give ourselves a listening ear because that is what will help us to engage more honestly with people who have been hurt by the current ambition in whatever historical cycle that we are in. And right now, at least in America, I would argue we are in a cycle where strength and power is the ambition that drives most of our economic matters, our political matters, and our presence overall in the world. It's why we have a military bigger than the next 11 countries combined that are all allies except for one. And it's also why we have so much built into possession that the more that we can claim we own or have a stake in or assert physical or financial power, the less that we have to feel like we have to engage with the parts of society or life that we don't want to deal with. And we are allowed to be more dishonest with ourselves. Ending the cycle of death and rebirth is really in this game about raising the question of what happens if we actually step back in the mirror and look at the other players that are going on in the world and say, what if we just stopped? What if we just changed? We confronted the people that are people and the beings that are in charge of the power structure of the world. And we made it different. 
and it might not be perfect the first time we rebuild it and it might not be a way that we've given access to enough people the first time we rebuild it and how we're going to reconcile society with the with our planet and with the people that we have hurt in the midst of our conquest is a question we're still going to be answering for probably most of the rest of our lifetimes if not more but this journey is vital because if we don't start asking the questions about why haven't large groups of people been involved in decision-making processes about things that affect their own lives? And why haven't we been really engaged with what is happening? And how do we have so much information coming out in bad faith that prevents us from making good moral decisions? we're just not going to have much left to look to in terms of look forward to in terms of a world and whether we like the world as it is now or we don't we should all be very concerned that we've had so many extreme weather events in the last couple of years and regardless of what might be true or not in terms of human-caused climate change. I don't want my world to become an apocalyptic hellscape like Shin Megami Tensei 3 ever. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. And so to conclude, when we're thinking about leadership and taking responsibility, as the main character in Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne, you have the responsibility thrust upon you, however unfairly, to be the being that chooses the way the world turns. And while most of us will probably never get into that extreme of a situation where so much rests on our own shoulders, it is important for us to see and reflect that in our own ways and with the with our own circles we will have these sectors of influence and how do we build the disposition to be deeply connected to the common good and for this channel and what I'm hoping to build in the future. I want this community to be a place of engagement where we try to build those questions of leadership for all of our listeners. Um, so that's where I'll plug the Patreon one more time, patreon.com slash phenomena gaming. Um, my Twitch, my, my Twitter channel is at what could being be with just the letter B, not the full B E because I don't have enough characters on Twitter to give the full name and look at my Patreon. 
I've got tiers for engaging with the show specifically. I'm also looking to have, I also have tiers on there that are for leadership coaching. If you're wanting to get into world changing work and how you might get involved in your community to make things better or how or facing challenging life decisions like i am as you can see i've given a given a deep reflection and this reflection and methodology i can also help you teach you how to reflect and be thoughtful when you are making the hard decisions of your lives so until next time this is Phenomena Gaming, our podcast about gaming and living. And thank you for your time and your attention.